All right. So we're starting our new series entitled One at a Time. Uh, for those of you, you know, interested, you can take notes. For those of you not so interested, you can go ahead and take notes. This will help you out. Uh, we're basically saying this, that uh, discipleship is, is just about taking steps towards God. Now, open with a question, and you guys can just kind of think about this. But if there was one thing in your life that you could change, don't answer this out loud, Okay. Because it could get really messy. But if there's one thing, you're like, he's sitting right next to me. <laughs> but if there's one thing in your life you could change that would make the biggest difference in your life, you know, what would it be? And I think sometimes what pops into our head is, uh, well, I would lose 20 pounds. I would go on a diet or I would uh, I'd get on a budget. You know, I'd stop drinking. Uh, there would be something dramatic like that. But I want to kind of Fast forward and just say this series is, develop, is, is, is dedicated to your spiritual development. In other words, if you could change your spiritual life, if you could improve your spiritual life, just this one area, I believe with total conviction it would change every area of your life. You're actually human beings, you know, spiritual beings, excuse me, having a human experience. Did you realize that? You're created in his image. And so, but these changes, they all begin kind of one step at a time, not necessarily um, one area at a time, but one step at a time. And this series will focus on different values or, or different kind of core beliefs. We'll talk about, and, and we'll break these into more clever titles, but worship and, and, and lordship and, and relationship, and we'll talk about leadership and things like that, and, and everything with the ship at the end of it, because, you know, that's how we roll. But, that, but as Christ followers, we need to learn and to live um, closer to God. And fundamentally, that's where everything kind of uh, starts and stops, where everything begins and ends. And the, never, the, the, sex, the, the next several weeks, we will disciple you. We'll help you take steps to kind of grow in your faith. Uh, while I was thinking about this whole idea of, of taking one step at a time, this old movie came into my kind of viewfinder, so to speak, that I think some of you, I'm dating myself a little bit, will remember. But it's, it's uh, with Bill Murray, and it's, it's a clip that talks about baby steps. I want you to just kind of check this clip out. You guys remember this? Check this out. No, really, check this out. Dr. Marvin, you can help me. For the first time in my life, I feel like there's hope. I feel like I can be somebody. Bob, there's an old saying that the best psychiatrist in the world is the one right inside of you. Yeah. I can help you, yes. Thank you. Bob, there is a groundbreaking new book that has just come out. Ah. Now, not everything in this book, of course, applies to you, but I'm sure that you can see, when you see the title, exactly how it could help baby steps it means setting small reasonable goals for yourself one day at a time one tiny step at a time baby steps for instance um when you leave this office don't think about everything you have to do in order to get out of the building just think of what you must do to get out of this room and when you get to the hall, deal with that hall, and so forth. You see? 
Baby steps. Baby steps. Oh, boy. Baby steps. Baby steps. Baby steps through the office. Baby steps out the door. It works. It works. All I have to do is take one little step at a time, and I can do anything. Mm. Baby step around the office. <laughs> Baby step around the office. That should give you a lot to digest while I'm on vacation. V vacation? <laughs> oh, certainly my secretary told you. As of this afternoon, I'm taking my family on vacation until Labor Day. That's a month. What if I need you? What if I need to talk? Well, my associate, Dr. Harmon, would be happy to talk. And Bob, I'll be back. Just read baby steps. Baby steps out of the office. Very good. Baby steps to the hall. Very good, Bob. Keep going. That's it. Bye. I'll see you in a month. Baby steps to the elevator. Baby steps to the elevator. Baby steps to the elevator. Baby step onto the elevator. Baby steps into the elevator. I'm in the elevator. Oh, you gotta love Bill Murray, right? What is it about growth, like, that kind of freaks us out a little bit? You know, I think there's like a polarity. Like, we either are afraid that if I get closer to God, you know, he's gonna send me to some third world nation and I'm gonna live in a mud hut and be chased by mosquitoes the rest of my life. Or if, you know, I, on the other side, I've got all these problems and I'm like, I, I don't know if I can overcome all these problems. And so we spend all our time I call it limp picking. You know, oh, there's a problem. Oh, there's a problem. There's a problem. There's a problem. And we get nowhere. We just kind of, you know, we kind of spin it, spin it, spin in our wheels. We're kind of traveling in circles, and and we're not taking those progressive steps towards God. We're called to grow. Did you guys know that? Look at your neighbor and say you're called to grow. Come on, tell your second choice. You're definitely called to grow. Grow up, okay. But sometimes we don't want to. We don't want to go where we need to go. In order to grow. That's profound. But Psalm 37, 23 in your notes, this is kind of our theme text for the series. But the Lord makes firm the steps of the one whose delight is in him. See, you're going to be on a more firm foundation. The rest of your life is going to go way, way better if you delight yourself in him. You put him first in your life. Here's our big idea. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Success is when we go from where we are to where God wants us to be. That's, that's success. He's, he's going to take you where you need to be. Sometimes don't want to be, but that's where you need to be. Uh, today, we're going to introduce, today's topic is going to be about, it's called Love for One, and it's all about worship, okay? And so, sometimes I think as a church, we don't really know what worship is all about, and so I think it was important to kind of unpack this particular value so that we can really see things right, because our, our discipleship kind of fundamentally, if there was like a center of the wheel, it's all about love for God. God's love for us and, and our love for God. Worship is central to the Christian experience. Can I have an amen? 
So loving the one and, and, and only before anyone or anything else is what we're going to talk about. In Deuteronomy 6.5, I don't know if this is in your notes, but it's a great scripture. And also Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. Exodus 20 is the Ten Commandments. One of those commandments, it says, God speaking, you shall have no other gods before me. In other words, I, I want to be first in your life. Deuteronomy 6 saying you're supposed to love the Lord your God with your heart. With, your, with all, all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Love for God is key. You can't really love people until you're, until you're really loving God. You're experiencing God's love as well. So we're going to take the next several weeks to not just be a true disciple, but today we're going to talk about what it means to be a true worshiper. Amen? I think sometimes we often need kind of a perspective adjustment. Um, I, I don't know if you like this or believe in this, but I, I like a, it's like a chiropractic treatment. We need a little course correction sometimes on the way we see things. And so this illustration just kind of help you kind of see things maybe right. Um, recently, and sometime, it usually happens around this time, um, I have to kind of renew my little subscription to like those um, Terminex. You know, the, you know when you start getting insects showing up at your house that you don't want? Does anybody have that? Nobody, everybody has new houses. I have an old house, okay? And all of a sudden these ants, you know, the size of small children will show up. Anyway, not really, but anyway, but um, do you ever watch the ant? I, I don't mean like, you know, from a, one of those terrariums or something like that, but when, when I watch the ant, one of the things that amazes me about, a, a, about an ant is its strength. I know that would surprise you coming from me, but uh, you may not realize this, but an ant can lift 35 times its body weight. It's a powerful creature. In other words, it, it can carry a breadcrumb the size of a bagel, Okay. It just you just see a bagel walking, it's probably an ant underneath that. All right. And so when we see one of these things though, as amazing as these creatures are, what do we want to do? We want to crush it. We want to mush it. We want to flick it like a booger on the end of our nose. We want to see that thing. We give that thing launch codes. You know what I'm saying? So yet, contrast, yet God in all of his majesty, size power. When he sees us, little itty bitty us, what does he think? He thinks he loves us. He sees us all individually. He sees all our characteristics. He doesn't want to squash us like an ant, even though we are far less significant in dimension than a mere ant. And the amazing truth is he wants to come into relationship with us the ants, so to speak. And it just doesn't make sense when you think about it. That's, that's how much he loves us. It kind of blows my mind in a way and that, that God would love us that much. That much. But the truth is we, we're the ants. And, and in comparison, sometimes we don't act like we're the ants, though. And I'm going somewhere with this as it relates to worship. Instead, there's this tremendous tendency uh, of us, and I'm going to talk to not so much our pre-believers, but our, but our believers, people who have Christ followers, people who uh, claim to love God. And, and what happens is sometimes when we approach God, we, just, we jump into our relationship, God, with our agenda. Our, we spew our prayer requests. You know what I mean? I need this, and I need that, and I want this, and I want that. And we just run. We, it's, it's as if, if the president was on the other side of this wall, and I said, you could have a meeting with him. You could have an encounter with him. I think very few of us would just kind of run in there. Hey, what's up, homie? You know what I mean? You know, what's going on? Not to mention there'd probably be some secret service there. There'd be a 
you know, take him out, dart that one. You know what I mean? We wouldn't, we wouldn't just rush in to the presence of the president, would we? We would consider our approach. We would consider, are we, you know, am I dressed okay? I mean, it, what, you know, I shouldn't be wearing this. You know, I should probably be wearing something else. We think about those kind of things. We think about giving our best to him instead of screaming out all our troubles and, and what's best for us. Solomon actually warned us to be careful not to rush into God's presence with many words. Scripture says when, when words are many, sin is not absent. Interesting. Truth be told, there's really little fear of God anymore. And I, when I say fear of God, I just mean awe of God. Awe of God. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. We, we rarely stop to think long enough you know, to, to consider God in view of creation, to consider the word of God, to consider um, the, the presence of God and how we should approach him. And if we did, I submit to you, we might have a totally different connectivity, encounter, connection with God. Life changes, I think, for us when we contrast our life against God. I think Life changes for us in our relationship with other people when we contrast our life to God's perfection. In other words, I will be more loving, caring, gracious, merciful, accepting of other people when I don't compare myself to other people, I compare myself to God. It's the same thing in your relationship the other way between you and God. You want to have a better relationship with God, sometimes you have to realize who you are in light of God's mercy. Is anybody getting anything out of this? Let me, let me explain. Like, we're amidst scientifically, we're, you know, people, some people appreciate that, but we're amidst, we're amidst 350 trillion galaxies that we can see right now, okay? And, and in, in all of those galaxies, we're a part of one of those galaxies, and inside that is a particular solar system with a certain number of planets that's supposedly still under some kind of debate, and, and then that, that our planet is traveling around this this globe of fire, this solar fireball, at 67,000 miles per hour on an axis at 1,000 miles per hour. Okay? Shouldn't that maybe make us pause once in a while to consider us in view of God's mercy just a little bit? How big maybe he is as we approach the creator of all of that, if that's what we really believe he actually is. We're mere ants in the sight of God from comparison and from that standpoint. Charles Spurgeon said this. You may want to write this down. I don't know. But men are never duly touched. Men are never duly touched and impressed with a conviction of their insignificance until they have contrasted themselves with the majesty of God. Men are never duly touched and impressed with the conviction of their insignificance until they have contrasted themselves with the majesty of God. The disparity between us and God is way greater than it is between me and that killer ant that I saw the other day. He doesn't step on us. He steps into our lives, actually. He actually came into our lives. Think about this. This is how crazy, as big as he is and is. is as crazy as that contrast is, he actually stepped into our lives as an ant. He became one of us, a carpenter ant. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care what you say. It's unbelievable. <laughs> he loves you and I so much. It's unbelievable. The secret is if you'll love him, if you, if you would love him, think about how much he must love us to do that. 
If you would love him with even a fraction of that in return, your life would be totally different. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind, listen, has conceived. This little ant brain, this little finite brain can't conceive what God has prepared for those what? Who what? Who what? Love him. Who what? Come on, say it like you mean it. Who what? Love him. You can't even comprehend it. The funny thing is we sometimes know this. Some of us kind of know this. And when we pause, and, 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 and I'm going old school here, but when we press pause on the tape deck of life, come on, boombox baby. You know what I'm talking about? Remember those things? Yeah. All right. We all know this is amazing. We know it's incredible. But, but while we know it up here, there's no intellectual, the, the intellectual ascent is not really taking us up because it has to go through here first. There's this, there's this thing that happens in our life it, because of the world we're in. It's like, a, it's like a diabolical distraction. And it produces within all of us really like a spiritual amnesia where we forget who we are in view of God. Let me put it this way. A while back, a while back, my wife joined my gym. Now, I say my gym not because I own it, okay, though I like to think so sometimes. I say my gym is not because I own it, but, but it's because that's kind of my world, you know, and she's not been a part of that world. It's been kind of separate. In fact, sometimes she's not here right now, but she'll be here next service, but, but sometimes she's like referred to it as my mistress, you know what I mean? I used to get in trouble. So I had to like make sure that was in priority to her. Same kind of, we can always learn something in our spiritual relationships by our natural relationships, right? But I, I, anyway, when she enrolled, I was so excited. Oh man, it was like, whoop, whoop, I was just excited. You know what I mean? I get to bring my wife. You know, there's a little bit of that in every guy. You know, bring your trophy girl. Come on, let's go, baby. Check us out. You know what I mean? Walking down that little aisle, you know, kind of swerves through Gold's Gym. Anyway, so... Well, it was awesome for just a little while, but then within days, might have been minutes, and I just didn't know about it, basically, she was like the talk of the gym, right? And, and I viv vividly remember some of my friends basically saying to me, coming up to me, and they go, bro, hey, dude, that's your wife? Whoa. <laughs> like, that you, that's your wife? <laughs> like, I mean, in other words, there was just like, First of all, in gyms, there's a lot of mirrors, right? So I look at the mirror, and I'm like, what's up with that? Like, is, is, is it that bad? You know what I mean? <laughs> that bad. She, she's that good, and I'm that bad. <laughs> there was this incredible contrast going on as, as they say, you know, how the heck did you get her? You know, kind of thing. And all of a sudden, something that was like a holiday it just came the worst day ever. And it made me think, you know, about myself. And now... Here's, the, here's where I'm going. I know she's beautiful, all right? And, but she's really beautiful. But sometimes I forget how beautiful she is in contrast to me. Okay? All right. This is going to be tougher than I thought. <clears throat> in other words, I only need to look at a family photo just to have a refresher course, Okay? I pull that baby up, it's like, awesome, good, good, whoa. You know what I mean? Every time we get ready to take a picture, they're like, dad, turn sideways. Like, some of it's because I'm just wider and my wife's little and stuff like that, but some of it's, I think, something else. Turn sideways. 
give us your best side. Never mind. But, but she's an incredible woman, right? And, and, and she's strong, and she's filled with faith, and she's gifted, and she's strong, and she's pretty, she's passionate about family life, and she's strong. Did I mention she's strong? Anyway, the point is sometimes I forget that contrast. Are you guys tracking with me out there? Is anybody connecting with my illustration, okay? Occasionally, we need some reminders like this about us and our relationship with God, don't we? Communion does that. That's why communion is so important, to experience a time to give thanks, a time of remembrance, a time of the Eucharist, whatever you want to call it. But as a whole, I believe as children, we need to be taught how to love God, though. It's because we don't sometimes know how to love God. That's why we have to fellowship together. That's why we have to sit under the word. That's why we have to connect in this way. Because otherwise, we won't anticipate his return. We won't exalt him until he does. We won't put him first on our everyday life like we should. Because I think God is looking for kids who are worshiping him. That's what the Bible tells us. Here's a foundational question. What's the one thing we have the freedom to give or withhold from God? Our worship. It's our worship. Why is worship so important? I'm going to go through some of these quickly. Number one, because we're all worshipers. Say, I'm not a worshiper. Well, I'm going to prove it to you in just a second. But first, from Scripture, in uh, in Colossians 1.16, it says we were created by Him, for Him. In 1 Corinthians 6.20, it says to bring honor to Him. You put those two things together, we were created by Him, for Him, to bring honor, what? To Him. I look at... But I look at my life, I look at your life, and I can tell you you're a worshiper by what's in your life. I can look at your checkbook and tell you what's important to you. (laughs) He's going to go there. You can tell what's important to you because the Bible says, you know, where your treasure is, there will your, what, heart be also, Matthew 6.21, right? I can look at your schedule and I can tell you what's important to you. Like, how do you carve up your time? I don't have any time, I don't have any time. And, and, And then when we're sick and we're in bed and we're in the hospital, we, we make time for the most important things. It's incredible how that happens so often, doesn't it? I can look at you. If, I wish we could do this. I wish we could look into your brain. Well, some of you I don't want to do this, but if we could look into your brain, and you could, you could, if you could do this yourself, but what are your preoccupations? God is not interested in your occupation. He's interested in your preoccupation. What are you thinking about? He, the Bible says you'll keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on him, on thee, Isaiah 26.3. So I could tell you what you're worshiping. We're all worshiping something. Number two, what we worship, we become. If you want a focus that changes you from the inside out, which is really the premise of the series, this is it. Worship the right thing, and you'll get the right results. Again, though we're made in his image, we're created like him. We need to be trained to be like him. Our 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 our. our our soul needs to be trained. You know, when I was young, you know, um, as a parent, we have four kids, you know, and, and um, when we were training our kids as they were growing up, we had to teach them how to, how to love us, how to love each other. It just didn't come naturally. The things that came naturally were like, no, and, and you know, and mine and things like that. Like, you know what I mean? You didn't have to teach them that. They just kind of, how many know what I'm talking about there? You got pa- parents out there, all right? Anybody need some prayer? Okay, so when, when we were training up the kids, we'd have to say, you know, we come up to Devin and go, Devin, I love you. Do you know Daddy loves you? Now I'm just like, you know what I mean? Boy, you know, that's how we show each other we love each other. But, back, but in the beginning, that's how it was. I love you. And then he'd be like, mm, that's cool. And he'd kind of walk away. 
You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, he loves me, he loves me. I'm like, no, 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 tell daddy you love him, tell daddy you love him. And Stacy would do the same thing with Devin, and we do the same thing with the girls, and we make them say it back, and it felt like thousands upon thousands of times before they did it from their heart, of their own volition. We're like that. We're like children like that. Number three, we're created to worship an audience of one. We're created to worship an audience of one. This realization changes everything. We're not called to live for um, what worship does for us or for others, but for what it does for him. Worship is our offering to God, not God's offerings to us. But we live sometimes like it's different. In other words, let's just take it in a corporate setting, in a church setting, you know, or in a church world. It's not about the song list. This is what I hear. I sometimes see people, you know, they go to the worship garden, or, you know, or they go to uh, version and they pull up, oh, I don't, I don't really like that song. You know, this you know, worship's going to bite today. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, that song is like from the 80s. <laughs> you know, Hosanna, Hosanna. No, just kidding. Hosanna in the highest. So we sometimes look at the song list and we decide whether we're going to really go there, where they're going to really engage, or sometimes we look at the message and like, oh, I've heard this before, pastor's already done this before, you know, or we decide whether we're going to like it because of DJ's haircut, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, he needs a fresh cut, man, you know, <laughs> or the lights, or the smoke, you know what I mean, or the coffee, or the snacks at the back, or the joke. We have, in other words, an a tendency to assess things and, and observe things and how it feeds us, how it relates to us, how it kind of, you know, uh, in, a, in a sense, you know, builds us up. And, and we need to eradicate those ideas from our mind because we, are, we worship, come on, everybody, an audience of what? One. So how do we learn to worship? Let me make it simple for you. And it's really not that hard to understand, maybe harder to do, but when we see God right and you tr contrast God against oneself, which is what I've tried to do in the first half of this message, is you simply um, respond naturally to his supernatural side. You look at your natural and you respond to his supernatural. Let me just tell you something. I ain't supernatural. I'm, I'm natural. Now, with God, all things are possible, right? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I mean, he can empower me to, to do the impossible, right? But when I'm worshiping God, I got I to gotta contrast myself to him, and my natural response to that should be worship. Maybe you worship, and you say, well, I don't know what you mean. Well, maybe you worship something or someone. You know, men, you know, you know what this is like. I mean, it's that, it's that time of the year. But when, you know when you go out and you wash your car? And, you, and, and you, you know, you got to do the wax on, wax off thing for a little while. Maybe you go through the car wash, but you come out and you got to do the little extra touches. Some of you guys are in this house. You know what I'm talking about. There's some guys that are like in there. They don't want to show it on the outside, but inside they're like, yeah, I like this example a lot. You know, and you're doing the wheels and the chrome. Brian Jammer, he's my, he's my homie at the back. He knows what I'm talking about. Or you mow the lawn, all you lawn guys. You know what I mean? You got to get the lines. When you're done with your little zigzag thing that you got going on, you're the only one, just so you know, that really cares in your house. <laughs> You're looking in the windows like, do they see this? Do they see this? They're not looking. They're sleeping. They don't care. You're out there and you're like, oh, 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 you know what I mean? The lawn, you know, the car, okay? 
Maybe you, you know what it's like to worship something you do. It's kind of a natural response, response to something that you hold in awe. Maybe you know when you lost your health to bring it back to something more real. You know what it's like to express gratitude. If you, if you went through a, how many people have ever had a minor surgery? All right. When you've recovered, you're like, thank you, Jesus. How about a major surgery? When you've recovered, you're like, thank you. How, cosmetic surgery. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> settle down. Settle down. Settle down. <laughs> it's a natural response. All right. Specifically, this is in your notes. We focus on who he is and what he's done. When you do that, your reasonable response is worship. Because at the end of the day, how you see God affects how you worship him. Are you the ant or is God the ant? And I think God, he looks at you and, he's, and he says, I, I'm not doing this just because I need all that. I'm doing this because if you do that, I'm going to solve the biggest problems in your life. I'm going to meet your deepest need at the deepest level. Because the reason we worship other things is because deep down, we think those other things are going to meet our needs. Is everybody catching up? You still up for the snack? Are you paying attention right now? We worship all those other things because we want them to meet our needs. And God said, if you worship me, I'll meet all your needs. I'll take care of all of those things. When Jesus was one day traveling, he came in contact with a Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. How many know the story? You know what I'm talking about. And it's a pretty powerful story, and Jesus, you know, comes up to this woman, and she's blown away because he just reads her mail. He tells her all the things she's ever done, and she's like, oh, my gosh, I perceive that art our prophet, you know. And then she goes and tells everybody else what he'd done. She kind of gives away. But at the very end of this particular chapter, not this particular segment within, the, within chapter 4, she says, you know, um, you know, people, my ancestors, they used to worship on this mountain. Your people, speaking of the Jews, they think you're supposed to worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus is like, you're not getting it. It's not about that. You're, you're, the, you're, the, you're the temple now. You're the, one, you're the one where you hold church right here now. You don't hold it over there. You don't hold it over there. You hold it right here. Look at John chapter 4, verse 23. It says, yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers, everybody say true worshipers. That's what you're called to be. True disciples are also true worshipers. We'll worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind, they're the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Because God is a spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. God seeks two kinds of people. He seeks those who don't know him. Absolutely. He, he wants to engage them in a personal way. He he's came to seek and to save that which was lost. We spent a whole series, six weeks, just talking about this whole thing. But he also seeks, second thing, is true worshipers. Remember, we don't simply worship. We are worshipers. Worship is not what we do. It's who we are. It's our identity. Who are we, we are, though, is a result sometimes of our lifestyle. It's more, about sing, it's more than singing songs in church and kumbayas and Doritos around a fire. It's a lifestyle. And, you know, I'll tell you this. What will make it more pronounced and powerful is not the lights. It's not the, the smoke. It's not DJ's haircut. Okay? It's going to be whatever you cultivate privately will, will be produced and manifest corporately. 
When you become a worshiper, not just on Sunday mornings from the time you arrive to the time you leave, but it's something that happens throughout the week, it will affect everything that we do here, but everything that's happening in your life every single day. Can I have an amen out there? I think if God were in the flesh here today, if Jesus was the one actually speaking to you today, and he said, you know, let's sing a hymn. They used to do that. The scripture talks about that. Let's sing a hymn. Or they read from the scriptures. They used to do that. Or maybe they'd have communion. They used to do that. Maybe he did all that with people at church. And, and then he goes out, and he, and he, and he exegretes. You know, PD, I'm going I'm to exegrete today. And he goes out, and he exegretes. And everybody's going. And he says, hey, thanks for, thanks for coming today. Hope you enjoyed church today. Thanks for worshiping with us today. Then the next Sunday he comes and he speaks, and as a, he's, he's, he's greeting at the front door, hey, thanks for coming back to worship today. Thanks for coming back, and those of you who are here to worship today, thank you so much. Can I tell you something? That's not going to happen. Those are, those are not the kind of worshiper Jesus is actually seeking. He wants people who don't just go to worship. He wants people who are worshipers. It's not a location like that we go to on Sundays. We are worshipers on location. Does that make sense? Here's three qualities of a worshiper, and I'm going to move through these rapidly. These can affect your everyday life. True worshipers worship in awe. Everybody say awe. Not like, you know, awe. No, I mean in awe. There used to be a song, I stand, I stand in awe of thee, you know. Or that song, let my words be few. Jesus, I am so in love with you. I remember when I met my, my, my heroes are heroes of the faith. I'm not trying to say that any other hero is a bad hero, but b- because of, you know, my, my calling, I, I, I'm not really as interested in meeting a Hollywood movie star or even the president, but there's just different people in your life that I just, you know, I, I admire. Billy Graham, for example, you know. Um, but I remember having the opportunity to meet somebody, somebody you may not even know, he's gone on to be, be with the Lord, but my overseer and and one of my pastors in my life, Pastor Chris Hodges, invited me to go down to Florida one time to meet the head of Campus Crusades for Christ, Bill Bright, before he passed. And I remember being in his house. It wasn't a house, it was a condo. Very, very, um, you know, meager, just simple condo. And um, he had, at the time, just so you know, he had 750,000 people, in, leaders in his ministry, staff worldwide. Over $6 billion in assets. He took a $50,000 a year salary. And I just, I just thought this guy was incredible. And while he's sick and he's in a wheelchair and he's got a breathing apparatus and he's got all kinds of things just to kind of stay alive, he was, just, he was working eight to ten hours a day to download vision that God had given him to fulfill the Great Commission. His vision for his life was he wanted to see the Great Commission fulfilled in his lifetime, which was just like, What? Are you serious? And so every single day he would be in a video room just downloading things and, and, and you can watch those, those, those videos today. It was incredible. I, I, I was in awe of this man. And I'm sure there's someone in your life you hold in high regard in such a way that, that you, you would be speechless. Because I remember when I met him, I, I couldn't even, the communicator, I couldn't talk. I couldn't, I, you know, I don't even know what I said. I spoke in tongues. I, something <laughs> the, Chris had to interpret. I don't even know what came out. And because I held him in such high regard. Jesus, you know, needs to be like that. But sometimes Jesus is like this. Can you show that picture? He's like our homeboy. (laughs) We're like, you know what I mean? We're like, this is how Jesus is to us. And there's a side that where he is your elder brother, and and he's, he's your intercessor, and he's your closest friend. But he's not your homeboy. 
John the Beloved, who spent the most time with Jesus of anybody, right? Maybe perhaps the closest to him. You know, there was the, there was the 72, and there was the 12, and there was the 3, and then there, maybe, you know, it looks like he was the one. He talked about himself in a special way within his scriptures in the book of John. It's kind of funny. Um, the one Jesus loved. I always like that. But, but John, who reclined, you know, on the breast of Jesus... Uh, look at what he says in Revelation 1, 16. It says, in, he's speaking of Jesus. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. He's having a revelation from Jesus. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. So sometimes familiarity breeds contempt. You know, we, come, we get comfortable and so there are different things that can kind of bust that up for us and change us. So we got to get out of that. we got to do everything we can to stop being and behaving like that. Number two, true worshipers worship with abandonment. Abandonment. A king said this, by the way. In 2 Samuel 6.22, I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes, even at the berating of his wife, King David. If I was to dance with all my might before you, you'd probably laugh. <laughs> you should. He did this, you know, almost naked. If any of you attempt that, you'll be thrown out. But, but you think about just the contrast. We, we go to sporting events and, and, and we paint our faces and we shave our chests and we, you know, we just do crazy, crazy things. We're undignified, you know, in our, in our attempt to glorify something temporal instead of I think, where is, where, is, where is that abandonment, you know, in that love? One time I was in a convenience store, and this lady in front of me, she won the, a lottery ticket. It wasn't a lot of money. Well, it was a good amount of money. It was $500. And I remember her just kind of screamed right out, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. You know, I, can't, I won, I won. And then she's, oh, my gosh, I have to leave, I have to leave. I, I just peed my pants. And she just ran right out. <laughs> she just abandonment. She lost everything. <laughs> I kind of thought you needed that. The Bible is filled with tons of examples on this whole thing when you worship this way. You, you, get, you get to know someone, not just about someone. And this isn't so much about being stupid or foolish, and please don't misunderstand me. It's about not being ashamed. Are you ashamed of God? That's what abandonment contrasts that with. Are you ashamed? Number three, true worshipers worship with intimacy. I asked somebody one time, I said, if you could get one wish from God, what would it be? And he said, I'd ask for more wishes. <laughs> That's cheating. So, but no, seriously, what would, that one, what would that one wish be? What would it be for you? Think about it. This is, this is what it means to be a true worshiper or a true disciple. What would your answer be? Look at what David said in Psalm 27, 4. He said, one thing, everybody say one thing. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek. This is my answer, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of your Lord and to seek him in his temple. Think about this. If you were given a one-way ticket to heaven, which you all have been, but in, and, and you get there and you're going to get a new body, some of you would be like, yeah, thank you, Jesus. You know, uh, you were to have food without calories and haagen without calories, and you were to get, praise the Lord, you're going to get a mansion, you know what I mean? And you're going to walk on streets of gold, and, and, and you're going to see this beautiful, you know, world in heaven. It's better than Avatar. Better, okay? It's better than all that. But if you can have all that, 
think about this. But if you could have all of that and Jesus wasn't there, would you be happy? We say no, but we live sometimes like, like, yes. Life is not about not knowing him. Life's about knowing him. It's about making him known as well. And God gives you and I the opportunity right now to minister to him. You're actually called to be a minister. We can minister to God. And when you know God, you want to minister to him. I know, I know my kids. I know my wife. And I don't mind ministering to her because I, I know her and I know them. Sometimes I mind. You know? But you're called to be a minister to God. Would you stand to your feet and let me pray for you? Did you get something out of this? Thank you, Jesus. Would you just close your eyes and bow your head and just honor the person to your right, to your left, everybody. I'm not going to call anybody out. I'm not going to call anybody down front. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I just want you to be able to have a, an opportunity right now there to connect the message to the messenger, the message to you. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? How is he speaking to you? What's, what is it that you're withholding from him? What are you worshiping above God? What have you put first ahead of him? Would you think about that? Would you let the Holy Spirit speak to you about that? Does he mean more to you than anything else? Or do other things mean more to you? If you're here today and you know that there are things that have competed for your affection, the Bible says to set your affection on things above, not on earthly things. If there are things that have competed for your affection and you want to reorder those things to reflect what you say you believe, would you raise your hand and just say, Pastor, pray for me, that's me. There's things that are out of order and I want to put them in order today. God bless you all over the room. I'm going to pray for you, Father, in Jesus' name, for every person. I pray that you see those that, that, that have raised their hand, those that have said that, God, they want to be true worshipers. They want to be worshipers that the Father sees and seeks. They want to be those kind of people, God. I pray that they're willing to, to, to see themselves in the right perspective. Lord, give them the perspective that they need today. Give them that contrast. May they just respond naturally when they're aware of how supernatural you are, how amazing you are, that you would come from heaven to earth like one of us, become one of us to connect with us. May we be mindful of that today because sometimes we forget. Sometimes there's an amnesia that takes us over, break through and penetrate the amnesia in our life and in our heart in Jesus' name. And maybe there's somebody here today whose heart is far from God. And, and, and you think that other things are going to meet your deepest need. But today, for some reason, by the Holy Spirit, because of his word, because of uh, just a, a, a perfect storm maybe in your life, you realize that the only person that can meet your deepest need is Jesus. And like that woman, that Samaritan woman, you've come to the well to get something natural. <clears throat> you came to church maybe to get something natural, and instead you got something supernatural. You, you made a connection with a supernatural God who cares about you and all of a sudden you see it and you know he's speaking to you and he's knocking on the door of your heart and you're ready to let him in. Let me just tell you something. I've said it before. That door has a handle that's only on the inside. You have to open that door. And if that's you, 
and you know that God wants to, uh, wants to connect with you and you believe that, would you raise your hand and say, I, I need to come into relationship with Jesus today. God bless you. Is there anybody? God bless you, sister. Is there anybody? Good and high so I can see. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you, sir. Is there anybody else? I don't want to miss you. This is so powerful. Best decision you can make in your entire life. He wants to meet your deepest need, but you've got to come to him humbly. God bless you in the back there. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Those of you who raised your hand and those of you who are here standing and listening within the sound of my voice, would you pray this prayer with me? This prayer won't save you. Believe it in your heart. will, though. Say, Jesus, I choose this day to worship you first, to make you the love of my life, my heart's greatest affection, and number one concern. I worship an audience of one today. You, God, come into my life. Be my Savior and my Lord. That means I'm going to put you first. Lead me on the path. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap for those decisions that were made.